Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the last lap podcast. This time, not the only podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's our season finale episode, and as you are all aware, um, if you've been listening since last year at least anyway, uh, we have special guests for our season finale. Uh, we had two special guests last year. This year, we have three. <gasps> um, with us tonight, we... Um, well, I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, so first up, we have um, Paul from uh, Formula Pubscast. Introduce yourself, Paul. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this season of you podcast on the last lap. I'm Paul Hadsley from the Formula Pubscast as part of Motorsport in Pubs. For those who don't know what that is, it's just a, a website, an organisation of uh, fans who gather in pubs to socialise when Formula One races are on. And uh, we do the same in Birmingham. And I make a podcast out of it. Basically, I run around pretending I'm Martin Bundle and accost people as they're having their lunch or a nice beverage before the races are on, get their predictions. And then hopefully there's a great atmosphere after the race, after the many exciting Formula 1 races and some not so much when they want to vent and I get their opinions in the immediate aftermath before sort of the received opinion, received wisdom of Formula 1 social media and, and forums uh, attacks them. And we also have formerly of the uh, Good Podcasts podcast, it's Scott. Hi, this is Scott, ex-host of the Good Podcasts podcast recommendation show and currently podcaster without portfolio, although I'm hoping to dip my toes back into the podcasting waters next year with a small but hopefully perfectly formed section on this very show throughout the 2016 season. That's if Andrew and Sean will have me. Uh, I've been watching F1 for 15 years and although my patience in the sport was tested <laughs> during this fairly uneventful year, I still watched every race in its entirety and I'm already looking forward to Australia next year. And finally, it's our newest guest. This is Jim from On The Limit Podcast. Hey there, this is Jim from the On The Limit Podcast, the most dangerous and irreverent podcast about Formula One on the internet. Big thanks to the guys from the Last Lap Podcast for inviting me to take part in their end of season finale. So here we go. And of course, myself and Sean are here, as always, giving our input on all of these uh, season-defining questions, <laughs> if you will. So I guess let, let's start with what was the best race of the season? Um, Jim, what were your thoughts on the best race of the season? So best race of the season. A tricky one to, to decide because there was a, a run of about three or four brilliant races right in the middle there. Um, the British Grand Prix definitely stands out, uh, as does the Italian. Um, I think Monza was absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to have to go with Singapore. Uh, it probably produced the most unexpected result. It was one where Mercedes absolutely couldn't dominate like they could almost everywhere else. Uh, and it was a night race, which are always my favourite ones. So best race of the season, Singapore. OK, interesting. So, Scott, what was your best race this season? When it comes to picking the best race of the season, unfortunately, this season hasn't exactly left us spoiled for choice, has it? <laughs> Uh, I watched the races on Sky and it's obvious how good a race was by how much of the post-race coverage that I watch. A good race will see me continuing to watch through all of the post-race paddock punditry. An average race will see me switching off after the podium. This year, however, on a few occasions I actually switched off as soon as the chequered flag dropped. Uh, and in fact I began to even consider not even bothering to watch at all just to look at the race result and then see if it was worth catching up afterwards. 
My faith in F1 held though, and I didn't do that, uh, and I'll still be excited for Australia next year, desperately hoping that the others have caught up to Mercedes. So that being said, although the British Grand Prix was a good one, the nod for best race of the season has to be the Hungarian Grand Prix. And what a turnaround that race has had. It used to be the calendar's guaranteed snooze fest, but recent years have seen a few great, great, great races there. I'm not sure what they've put in the water over there, but for goodness sake, please send some of it to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> The Hungarian Grand Prix, uh, it's got to take best race, it was incident packed, Lewis lost out at the start, the, uh, then as usual when he doesn't get his own way the red mist takes over and he went off track on the opening lap. Coming back through the field only to make matters worse by tangling with, with Ricciardo. At that point it looked like the championship could potentially swing in favour of Rosberg, but then he had his own clash with Ricciardo, got a puncture and Lewis ended up actually extending his lead after all. And of course in the meantime Sebastian Vettel drove to a well deserved win that saw one of only three podiums of the year that didn't have at least one Mercedes driver on it. Good stuff. So then, Sean, surprise us then. What was your best race of this season? Uh, it was a tough one. People might be surprised if uh, regular listeners know that I'm not normally a big fan of this track, but I'm actually going to go for Hungary, <gasps> believe it or not. What? I know, I know, shock horror. But, I mean, I think I probably put it in my least favourite tracks when we did our, did our lists previously, but no, I... I said it at the time when we did the, the review of the, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Every time I uh, slate this track, it throws up a corker, and I felt like it did the same this year. It was I, I seem to remember it being the, the only race that kind of kept me, or one of the few races that kept me on the edge of the seat right to the very last minute. You know, I ended up with Sebastian winning in the Ferrari, which obviously is uh, going to make uh, me happy. Which I see. Might factor in. But you had uh, Lewis was coming through the field. He He made a few mistakes, and he had to come through the field, so that was exciting. Rosberg looked like taking a big chunk out of Hamilton's lead, but then tangled with Ricardo towards the end. That, so there was just always there was loads of different things coming going on. Uh, yeah, so going to give it to Hungary. Surprise, surprise! I normally don't like it just because it's so hard to overtake in Hungary. You know, so it's like a I've once heard it described as like a a karting circuit, but with Formula One cars on it, which I thought was a good description of it. Really difficult to overtake. Can lend itself to processional Grand Prix. Yeah, this year uh, I felt it threw up a good one. So I thought, okay, I've dissed, I've dissed it a few times. I'll, I'll throw it a bone here. I'll, I'll, I'll vote that. So we'll, we'll go with that one. And also, just interesting fact, it was the it was the first race since 2013 that no Mercedes car finished on the podium, which I thought was an interesting fact. Ah. So, yep, we'll go with uh, we'll go with Hungary. Fair enough then. Um... What about you? Well, it was a difficult one. Um, wasn't my must not been my most favourite season of Formula One ever, but um, I really liked the um, monsoon of the USA Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, silly, really, because in a lot of ways those kind of races are, are pretty throwaway in the in the results, really. In that um, when it deluges like that, you, it's generally just a, the kind of luck of the draw. But just the fact that we had those those moments where um, it looked like the rebels were we were going to snatch it from the Mercedes, and then the Mercedes came back, and then the weather was unpredictable again. And um, mm -hmm. it just it was just nice to have a race where you weren't really quite sure what was going to happen. Just the the sheer unpredictability of it all, and the um, the uh, sort of move qualifying and all those bits and pieces. It was just it was just really interesting. So that was that was my one. I, I must say that Austin's one of my favourite tracks um, of the season. Certainly my favourite new track. I think. Um, so that helps as well. But this this year's one was definitely, I thought, the uh, the roller coaster of emotions, shall we say? <laughs> so moving on from best race, then let's take a look at 
who we think our best driver of the season was. Uh, let's start with Jim on this one. Who was your best driver? Best driver, and I am completely biased being a Brit, has to really be Hamilton. Uh, I think just for the, the spell of dominance and the, the performances he put in uh, at the start of the season to really establish himself and set him up to uh, to go ahead and win that third world championship. Uh, notable others, you know, Rosberg gave gave him a bit of a run for his money at the end, but it was too late by then. Uh, Vettel was solid all the way through. Um, Verstappen was absolutely brilliant all the way through, very entertaining. But uh, just for the, the way that he, he came into the season and absolutely smashed it at the beginning, has to be Lewis Hamilton. And Scott, who do you think was the best driver of the whole season? For best driver of the season, uh, I'm loath to give it to Lewis, partially because the car was the class of the field again, partially because I just can't warm to him. <laughs> I just can't warm to him. Uh, Verstappen is another obvious candidate, with some spectacular moves mixed with some not-so-spectacular ones. He'll no doubt smooth off the rough edges, though, and be a driver of a future season, so instead I'm actually going to throw a bit of positivity towards Jensen Button. Okay, so the McLaren Honda was dreadful this year, with Jensen and Alonso finishing P16 and 17, but... If Alonso is widely regarded as the best driver on the grid, then you can't ignore the fact that this year Jensen beat him, dragging the car into the points twice as many times as Fernando did, although admittedly that's still only four times in the season, and he did it all while smiling in the face of a bad situation, maintaining a dignified approach to the season's racing, even though it was almost as bad as the last time he drove for Honda in 2008. So, hats off to you Jensen, here's hoping the car is much improved next year. Paul, your best driver please. Okay, so who is the best driver of the season? Well, it's a good question. It's an easy question. It's, it's going to be hard to be original on this podcast, isn't it? Because there's only one best driver, though. If you talk, as I say, talk about the main season or the second off-season that we had the last three races, maybe there's a different answer. But we can only really look at the World Championship and say, well done, Lewis. Dominance, you know, whatever he had weaknesses in 2014, which was mainly qualifying and sometimes outsiking himself, he completely worked on those in the off season. I mean, good for him and good for Lewis Hamilton's fans. Bad for those who like exciting races because Lewis having poor qualifying meant the races in 2014 were a lot more exciting, especially you know the the oft repeated Bahrain race and other races where he really overtook Nico Rosberg on track. It happened quite a lot of times last season. Not so much this season in 2015 because Lewis was invariably on pole and invariably had the right strategy, had the, well, yeah, the, exactly, the Mercedes, Mercedes preferred the, the car on pole, so he had all the weapons and he had the speed and just really walked to the championship. There's a few blips, obviously, we know about Monaco, we know about the, once he won the championship, we know about Hungary. There's a few blips, but uh, I don't think anyone could put in a, a world-perfect season. Even McLaren will talk to you about that in the 80s, when they couldn't quite put in the most perfect season. It wasn't really their fault because of bat markers in the way. Nigel Mansell had flu, some bat marker, and then Senna couldn't win the race. That's just a classic story. Uh, so, it was all Nigel Mansell's fault for getting flu. That's a clever conspiracy theory. Anyway, I've distracted myself again. So, best driver of the season has to be Lewis. I mean, there's obviously, you know, honourable mentions of Nico making it interesting in a few races. And people like... Vettel, looking good for the future. Ferrari can bring us a car next season and maybe it'll be a, a Ferrari-Mercedes battle. That's what we're really hoping for. And, yeah, the rookies, I think we'll get on to them, but uh, you know, they've made things more exciting, really. The, if the racing was dull up front, we could look down the field and there was some good racing for the rookies. 
Um, yeah, but you have to say the best driver of the season has to be Lewis. I can't see anyone else, and this is going to be some try and be uh, controversial. I think the driver of the virtual safety car was easily the best. I like him. No, the virtual safety car, he's not in a real person, is he? Ha <laughs> ha, aren't I funny? No, he, or just, yeah, the driver of the actual safety car, who's seen quite a lot less than you expect. But anyway, the best driver of the season has to be Lewis Hamilton. Shout outs, audible mentions to Vettel and Rosberg on his day. Um, and people like that, and um, you know, people like even the Williams had showed well. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the moments section. And the Red Bulls had their days, especially in uh, well a few races, but I uh, think about America most likely. So yeah, Lewis is the best driver of the season. I finally, it took me a long time to make this point, but it, he is the best driver. It's kind of a clue. He's the world champion, and you know, he showed well apart from the last three races. We, we ignore them. They didn't happen. I won't, won't watch them on season review. Just stop. Okay, good, Lewis. Yep, that's the done. That's done. Done. Over. Come on then, Sean. Who are you putting up on the golden pedestal of best <laughs> driver of the season? Uh, uh, you have to say Lewis, don't you? I mean... <laughs> Everybody else might, pretty much has, haven't they? So. As much as I might not want to... If you look at it, if you go through it race by race, Lewis Hamilton completely sort of dominates the first, what, I don't know, three quarters of the season. And yeah, he went off the boil towards the end after the championship was won. But uh, there was a lot of races during the first three quarters of the season where he simply took pole position and then led from uh, pole to the last lap, fastest lap to boot, just was, you couldn't touch him. Uh, and even though he took his eye off the gas at the end of the end of the season, that wasn't enough to to swing it any other way he was completely dominant from from start to finish i'd love to be able to give it to to someone else but unfortunately not because i like i'd love to be able to give it to someone who, who didn't have such an obviously uh, championship making car so lewis lewis was better than nico so that's where that's why lewis gets it but but the car the car made the difference more more than anything else i think but yeah okay well, my best driver of the season, you're going to laugh, is Fernando Alonso. Right. Didn't see, didn't see that one coming, did you? Uh, this isn't a personal bias thing. Um, it's just for me, this season, the driver who has kept me most entertained uh, on an off track, uh, quite often off track, especially at Brazil, sitting in a, uh, in a sun lounger, catching some rays, um, was Fernando. and. Uh, just, just this kind of GP2 engine, GP2, ah, <laughs> just, uh, just, just something about how he's been today and uh, this, this kind of whole season and, uh, going forward, it's just kind of made me warm to him a little bit in a way in that he's kind of said, you know, I'm just getting on and doing it. And if I'm not happy, I'm kind of going to say something. And, um, uh, I kind of just, I've enjoyed Fernando this season more than I have for the last five seasons. He's been at Ferrari where. You know, he wasn't. You know, he was much more cl closely controlled in what he said. Um, I don't think we heard a lot from the real Fernando Alonso per se until really sort of near the end of his tenure, when I think he knew he was going. So uh, I think it was quite interesting to to see Fernando be Fernando. I think to to some extent, um, and and interesting to see that this time around um, he's had the freedom to do that. I think you know, obviously when uh, when he joined in um 2007 he and lewis had the the shaved hair and were sort of towing that 
corporate McLaren line, which, you know, is the McLaren line, really. And it was just interesting to see wavy-haired, bearded Fernando sort of doing his own thing and, and doing F1 his own way. I was very pleased with that. So that's that's why I'm giving it to him, um, rather than nodding it to who, the guy who's probably performed the best in the car this season, which was Lewis. Fair enough. <laughs> So here's a bit an interesting one. I think this might possibly throw up a few possible choices, although I think there's one clear, clear one that people might go for. Best rookie or debut? Um, let's start with Scott on this one. Who was your best rookie this season? For best rookie of the year, there's no denying Saints has done a great job. Uh, one example in particular was getting back into the car after that huge shunt in, in Russia. That was pretty impressive. But of course, there was no escaping Verstappen this year. Max made nearly 10% of the total overtaking moves this year, with Saints not actually how far behind. Uh, the overtakes themselves ranged from the daring move around the outside of Blanchimont in Spa, the same sort of move that resulted in a huge crash in GP2 earlier in the weekend, to the huge blunder that saw him smack into the back of Grosjean in Monaco. You could tell from the exit of the final Anthony Nose corner that he was determined to do something into Sandivot, whether the opportunity was there or not. So that was rather silly, but uh, given some more experience, there is surely no doubt that Verstappen is a future champion. And Jim, who was your choice for best rookie or debut? I have to give credit to all of the rookie drivers this season. I think they all really went for it and gave uh, a very good account of themselves. I don't think anybody really looked completely out of their depth at this level, but there can only be one winner and I'm sure anybody else will say this rookie of the year has to be Max Verstappen without a doubt go on then Sean who was that Paul so who in a car was this the season, best rookie or debut driver this uh, season it's between the two Toro Rosso guys I think that that much is clear and I'm a big fan of Carlos Sainz but I'm going to give it to Max Verstappen I'm not quite buying into the hype that that everybody else seems to be, like your Martin Brundles of this world, who seem to think he's the second coming of Sebastian Vettel or somebody like that. Not quite going that far yet, but I think he has done enough this season to to be the man that is the best the best rookie, that's for sure. He went on a little run, sort of middle of the season, to what, where he had maybe five or six points finishes in a row, driving well, driving solidly for someone of his age and showing some good overtaking sparks to boot. So, I mean, if you look at the standings as well, he did, like I say, I like Sainz a lot, but Sainz finished with less, about half the points of Max Verstappen. I think he finished about half the, the time that Max did, to yeah. be fair. There was one person whose who's Toro Rosso gave up on them this season. It tended to be Carlos. That's, that's true. Uh, and But unfortunately, that's the game. And... If the car's in the in the garage, he can't be showing us what what he could do, unfortunately. So, I will give it to Max. I think Max has done enough to deserve that honour, but uh, taking nothing away from Carlos Sainz. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for somebody completely different, and I bet you won't guess who this is either, or who I'm going <laughs> to choose anyway. Um, I'm picking Alexander Rossi. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it when I stump you. It's brilliant. <laughs> you literally have no answer. Um, the the simple fact for that is, is I was going to pick, actually, Felipe Nazza. In terms of um, two guys who have had the same opportunity in the car all season, uh, Nazza has hands down, absolutely hands down, trounced Ericsson, who had Formula One experience beforehand. Um, 
But Alex Rossi, to me, came into a team with a third, you know, with a third of the season left, getting uh, only half the number of drives, and he pretty much beat Will Stevens ninety nine percent of the time. I think that is quite impressive. Um, it reminds me of when Daniel Ricciardo got into the HRT against Noreen Karthikein and just just blitzed him away, despite the fact that Karthikein had been driving the car for a year. Um, and that, to me, is just... That, that, I think, shows something fairly impressive and in innate speed and stuff. And I think it should be recognised that, you know, just because you, you, know, you didn't get a chance to do the impressive overtakes or, um, you know, dice it with... Uh, some of the other top drivers, you've got to recognise, I think, sometimes when somebody's performed much better than um, the other person in the other car, uh, and that shows, I think, that the level of, of, of difference in talent and, and something that should be should be recognised. So uh, Alex Rossi coming in and, and, you know, knocking Will Stevens off of his fairly easy perch that he had above uh, Roberto Meri, um, uh, for me... It was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect it to be, you know, quite so one-sided in in favour of the American. Yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. So here's a uh, here's one that's likely to uh, cause us a few uh, interesting answers. I think. What was your best moment on or, or off track? Let's start this time with uh, Jim. Jim, what was your best moment this season? For me, the best moment of the season um, came at the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, a race I have something of a love-hate relationship with. I love the setting, I love the glamour, I love the over-the-top show, but the race itself uh, I've always found a little bit uh, tedious just because it's so difficult to overtake. Um, It's always a very processional race, and it was going that way this year until the aforementioned Max Verstappen found a very novel way of overtaking. Um, Whilst being lapped by Vettel, he managed to uh, to keep the Toro Rosso on, sort of on the tails of, of Vettel. And as Vettel was lapping the cars in front, uh, Verstappen managed to take advantage of the DRS and uh, the tow and, and get past a few cars and, and overtake in ways that I've never, ever seen before. Um, unfortunately, ultimately, it ended in tears as he uh, collided with Roman Grosjean and then uh, put it very hard into the wall. But uh, while it it lasted, it was fantastic. Um, Fair play to the kid. He's got uh, absolute balls of steel uh, and great things to come from him, I'm absolutely sure. So best moment of the season, uh, Verstappen's revolutionary overtaking at Monaco. Come on then, Paul. What was your best moment of the season? best moment of the season well I only really focus on the on track stuff I'm sure there was great off track deals and that led to, will lead to future competitiveness who knows but uh, I only really focus on the racing so it's really the, the top three highlight races I'm thinking about and then naming one so Silverstone Rain US Grand Prix Rain and then Hungary it felt like it rained but it didn't just craziness all kinds of craziness Um I don't know, I think it has to be hungry. It just seems to be everything happened in that race from the get-go. Um, same with Silverstone, I suppose, really, with the Williams getting off the line and uh, this time the Mercedes... Any time the Mercedes don't get off the line one until you know even for a bit of a good race, it's going to take them a few laps at least to get past wh- whichever car it is. And 
you know, Lewis didn't make the best start. He was running through gravel traps. He was having a terrible, terrible time of a race. But then it looked like um, Nico was going to take the lead in the championship. And then he just sort of chopped in front of a, a, a wild move. It's worth trying from Danny Ricciardo. Um, down to the inside went Ricciardo. If Nico had just checked his mirrors and worked out exactly where he was, yes, he still would have got past him, but he probably would not have made contact. So it's a bit clumsy from Nico and really lost him any chance of a championship fight. It probably wouldn't have changed the destination of the championship, just would have made it probably go down to the, the last race, made it more exciting for us. And hey, we all know what happened to Lewis in the last two races, so who knows? But yeah, I mean, that was just a crazy race. So much happened in that race. There was wings flying off, weren't there? And and if you know, say from Vettel sort of was the only person at the front not really getting involved in all the carnage behind, but everyone else was sort of overtaking, chopping to the inside, knocking off front rings, changing tires, punctures, or whatever. It was just a brilliant race and, and just when you thought it was going one way it would plot twist, M night shamalam lam lam, plot plot twist and uh, the, the the plot would swing in another direction just as you didn't expect it. And Scott, what was your best moment? It's a quick one for best moment of the season. Following on from Verstappen's crash at Monaco and the subsequent snafu at Mercedes that saw Lewis Hamilton lose not only the lead of the race but also all of his toys as he proceeded to throw them out of his pram, the atmosphere on the podium was punctured very nicely by Sebastian Vettel, popping into shot to tell podium interviewer Martin Brundle that even if no one else was, at least he was happy. Look on these guys. I'm really, happy. I'm uh, happy. Have, we got, have we got one happy driver here at least? Come on, Sean boy. What did you enjoy most about this season? You have to find something. <laughs> it's a difficult one. There's a, there's a couple of little things I'd love to give honourable mentions to, like most of Maldonado's... Uh, the, the time Maldonado hit the triple penalty uh, was probably... I haven't laughed uh, quite as much as I did then uh, for a while. And I also absolutely loved uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Bottas's uh, cross uh, Grand Prix duel that they had, <laughs> where one put one in the wall one week just for the other one to hit them back the following week. That that was that was really fun. Two hilarious moments that I, I really enjoyed. I think if I was actually to pinpoint one, I'd maybe go for Vettel's victory in Malaysia in the second Grand Prix, just because. But at the end of that weekend, I felt hope that we were on for a real <laughs> season here. Admittedly, it was quickly dashed. But I remember watching that Grand Prix and thinking, Ferrari have beaten Mercedes hands down this weekend on the second Grand Prix of the season. It's just a sign of things to come. Obviously, it wasn't. But that that particular weekend made me feel feel as positive as I'd felt for a while. Uh, at that point, so I'd maybe give it to that. It's it's, it's a tough one. It's a it's a tough one to to pick a standout for me. Uh, Rosberg getting three back three wins on on the end of the season just to prove that he hasn't gone mentally after Lewis's domination all through the season was was great to see as well. So between that and and Ferrari's minor resurgence, uh, I I have to, I, I struggle to pick a standout. Hmm. Okay. Um I think um I think probably what I'm going to go for and I kind of have mentioned it so far but only because it kind of proved that there there is still some fun to be had in Formula 1. Um and that was hashtag 
places Fernando would rather be. Um, <laughs> it just kind of just goes to show that how bad your season can go. You can unexpectedly be the hit of social media just by one of your drivers sitting in a chair, <laughs> having uh, fallen out of uh, Q1 for how about the 16th time this season. Um, I think that um, that probably was my f- my favourite moment of the year. To be fair, um, I did quite enjoy um, I did quite enjoy all of the the pit lane stuff um, during the United States Grand Prix when <laughs> everybody was Ted and and all this sort of um, uh, on the field broadcasters were trying to do stuff in the pit lane and all they did, all they were doing was turning their brollies inside out and getting absolutely drenched. Um, was uh, was quite quite amusing as well, but yeah, I think I'm going to go for uh, Fernando's little uh, sojourn in the sun. I've just remembered something else that that made me laugh: <laughs> the Maldonado's triple penalty and uh, Valtteri Bottas putting on the wrong tire. Uh, oh put, yes, putting put, put three of the one compound and one of the other compound, just because that that's pretty much never been done that I can remember since we've had the era of you know tires that have such a vivid stripe on them, you know the yellow stripe or the white stripe. I don't think I've seen it in that era. No. Of somebody having such an obviously wrong tire, <laughs> like like the pit garage let them go and could all the mechanics could clearly see that one's yellow and that one's white. I just that's, remember that's the guy right. who came out with the right yeah. tire and yeah. then realised that the car was just about to go, so just yeah. went, okay, just, I'm taking this back inside so, now. You know, if we're, if we're going for sort of a comedy fun, best funny moment of the season, that is, is, is right up there. I loved that. Okay, so uh, well, let's let's take it down a notch. Serious things up, I guess, with the next question. Um, worst moment of the year. Uh, so this can be on or off track. Um, what was the the thing that you liked least about the season? Uh, so let's start this time with Scott. What was the worst moment of the season for you? Obviously, the worst moment of any motor racing season is if we've had fatalities, and of course, this year saw Jules Bianchi succumb to his injuries from last year and ex-F1 driver Justin Wilson passing away in Pennsylvania, along with other incidents in differing formulas. All of our thoughts, of course, are with those who've lost their lives this year. So if we take tragic events such as those as a given for any season's worst moments, then the worst aspect of this year in Formula 1 can probably be summed up with one word. Engines. Or maybe two words. Power units. There was the frankly rather silly Red Bull-Renault situation, but uh, the more obvious one was the abysmal performance of the McLaren Honda, It was so disheartening to see session after session with one or both of the sparsely sponsored McLarens either parked at the side of the road or being passed down the straight. With a string of failures and mind-boggling grid penalties for changes, to have started so badly and made nowhere near the expected level of progress is embarrassing for all concern and a total waste of the talents of two ex-world champions. Let's hope that the performance picks up quickly as this will be no way for either driver to finish their careers. As a quick side note, one of the other sour notes is the continued slide of Sauber into obscurity. Once upon a time, they were the plucky underdog team who were snapping at the heels of the top teams, nicking points and podiums here and there. But now, you barely even notice that they're part of the race. It's a real shame. And Paul, what was the worst moment of the season for you? The worst moment? Uh, The worst moment for me... uh, it It just... 
Unfortunately, I was thinking, I was looking through the season and, and there was quite a few worst moments as far as I could think of it. I mean, there's lots of acrimony this year, lots of off-track. I mean, it's the same form every year, but there's been more more negativity. Maybe I should just name the general air of negativity around the sport as the worst moment, but it actually came to a head before the season. And this is what I'm going to nominate as the worst moment because the the, the off-season, the pre-season testing, and then the first Grand Prix, it all was just so negative. It was almost like, why are we bothering? And then, thankfully, Vettel came and won the Malaysian Grand Prix, and it, it gave us sort of, oh, actually, that's what we're bothering. It's a chance that maybe there may be some surprises this season, and this is what we watched Formula 1 for, with overtaking his strategy and everything. So Malaysian put us back on track, but Australia was just a horrible nightmare of negativity that around the sport, everything seemed to happen. I think it started with... Fernando Alonso's accident in pre-season testing, we never really found out what happened. And that sort of rumbled on, sadly, through to uh, Australia. And then we got to Australia and, and Marussia were in legal trouble. We'd already lost cage for them, but Marussia were in legal trouble, weren't showing up, were showing up. They were there, they didn't race. It was very confusing. Uh, we had a, um, Alonso not allowed to race, but uh, so Kevin Magnussen took the McLaren. Of course, the McLaren situation itself was a negative, a massive negative. Um, it was all just horrible and um, poor Kevin Magson didn't even make the start and uh, nor did uh, Kvyat, I think it was two cars broke down on the warm-up lap that's how crazy it was and we lost uh, uh, we lost Bottas actually, it was yeah, Bottas who had uh, a back problem so we, you know, it was just it was only 15 cars started and I think we lost two Lotuses on the first lap Maldonado crashed um, and also I think Grosjean broke down and also the, the everything going on with Sauber as well Sauber's nonsense uh, with hiring four drivers and only having two cars ridiculous I mean it was just so much craziness and not on track uh, off track it was probably worthy of a, of a new movie maybe the sequel to Rush could have been based around this this year's Australian Grand Prix but at this on track there was what yeah what do we say 14, 13 cars by the end of lap one and not much in the way of overtaking it was okay as a race it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen it just wasn't really worth getting up at 6am for I think it was 6 or 7am it was poor very poor and we needed something a great bit of on track spice and excitement to get over all the negative you don't want to start a season like that the negativity is horrible and then Jim what was the worst thing that you had to live through this season? Worst moment of the season for me has to be Nico Rosberg's very petulant display at the end of the US Grand Prix. Uh, it was all the business with the throwing the cap back at Hamilton and the refusing to be, you know, in any way animated at the end of the race uh, put a complete downer on it. Um, it was a moment of extreme petulance that my five-year-old son would probably be quite proud of. Uh, so that's the worst moment for me. I have to say, Rosberg was about two yards away from Hamilton when he threw the cap and he missed. So it was a double fail as well. Uh, yeah, worst moments. Uh, Nico Rosberg's petulance at the US Grand Prix at the end. Now, Sean, this is the category I suppose I suspect you've been waiting for. Uh, <laughs> what, was the, <laughs> what was the worst <laughs> moment of Formula One 2015? Uh, Mercedes dominance as much as a, it's cliched to say just the entire let's have two guys go off in front and do copycat strategies more or less 
from start to finish and that's the way it's going to that's the running order we're going to have so it's, it's I'm finding it really difficult to pick one telltale that is a bad moment it's more just a a general it's hard to describe but just the general way Mercedes do their strategy because it just leads to no chance of 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 changing the running order it leads to get to the first corner in first and barring mechanical failures you're 99 times out of 100 gonna reach a checkered flag first so just their general uh strategic philosophy whilst i don't necessarily say they're wrong for doing it because if you're total wolf you have to run a team to bring in the most points and that's fair but from a spectator watching it that that's the one thing that that bugged me consistently throughout the season and it bugged me when uh it was benefiting lewis and it bugged me when it was benefiting nico bugged me either way there's no bias there for me on either either way uh that no matter who was in front it was annoying there was you knew right away that it wasn't going to it wasn't going to make a difference the strategy they could just you get two seconds in front pit first pop on the new tires come back out two seconds in front repeat repeat till the end of the race and and that's it so that that, that that's it for me that the mercedes uh strategy calls is my worst thing of 2015 uh well to, to kind of make it more more serious i guess than um than what what you've kind of said i, I guess the worst thing was obviously the sad passing of jewel well, bianchi okay. um that much is a kind of obvious one but i think probably for me the um the worst moment out of everything has really been what i've kind of We've kind of mentioned before, and I know it will get me in, into trouble with certain fans of a certain team, uh, of a certain driver. Um, but to me, it, it's been Lewis's Lewis's attitude this year has been the worst thing in F1. Um, it, it started in in Monaco, you know, when he received the bad pit call, and uh, with, with all the will in the world, I, I absolutely can understand why the guy would be, you know, incredibly upset about. Um, what happened? Um, there's definitely no no getting around the fact that the, the team messed it up for him on what was probably a certain win. But it then all came down to the well, I'm not going to go to the um, I'm not going to go to the, the 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 podium, and the team had to talk him into it. And then when he got there, he crashed into the third place sign, and then he nearly didn't want to go up to the the podium beer, and then he, um, you know, he didn't go and celebrate with the team afterwards. That was bad. And then it just seemed to continue throughout the year. There was just all of these niggling little radio calls that just, would just seem so unnecessary. Um, uh, and the last three races of the season were just, it was just kind of pitiful to hear somebody on the radio whine so much about a strategy that's been in place for two years that he didn't have a problem with um, before now. It's it's ridiculous. And then 
Then you get things, stupid things like the the hat gate <laughs> rubbish, um, which is fifty fifty for both drivers. They were both being, um, you know, asses to to one another. Um, but it just it was it. All of that stuff seems so unnecessary for a guy who's just won his third world championship. You know, there was no grace in Lewis Hamilton in the last three races. You know, he crashed his car and he did all of this stupid stuff that. You know, whether people say that that shouldn't, you know, be taken into account because he's a Formula One driver and what he does in his personal life is something else. But it all seemed to bleed back onto the track. So I just, I don't know. This this was the year that, you know, I went from being sort of fair on Lewis Hamilton, you know, to to thinking, oh, okay, you know, this and that. Last year he was really fighting for the champion. This one just being a bit, I'm kind of done with you. Um, so, so that's really, you know, everything you've said is is completely correct. But, you know, you can kind of live with a disappointing season if the driver that's kind of responsible for for that season isn't also at the same time getting up your nose. And unfortunately, Lewis Hamilton spent <laughs> most of the season getting up my nose. Yeah, so. I, could, I could I could agree with that. I can't agree with that. Like, <laughs> okay, so well, you might have covered this in a way. Um, what was the one thing that you would have changed this year? Sean, we'll start with you this time. What was the one thing that you would change this season? Yeah, like you say, we might have covered it in the previous question, but probably the Mercedes strategy. Outside of giving a Ferrari an engine that's capable of challenging for the World Championship, that seems like a little bit of a cop-out answer. Yeah, probably strategy by Mercedes, really, isn't it? Uh, there's all the usual cliches that I could say every season. Refueling might have made a difference. Um, yeah, a little bit more rain here and there. But that's not within my control. Feels like we haven't had as many good wet races this season as we maybe normally do. Uh, but yeah, just the Mercedes strategy is the, the big one. I think for me, um, because you've said that, I mean, that that would be what I would have said as well. Um but I'm I'm just gonna go for the lack of unpredictability in races. Um, yep. This you know last season was dominance, um, you know, by Mercedes. But it, it felt like both the drivers, you know, were somewhere closer to one another. Um, uh, and it seems that since Spa last season, Mercedes have just you know, uh, clamped down on everything. Um, but it also seems to have filtered down somewhere into the pack somehow. Uh, there just seem to be less challenges on track. It's noted that this season has the least number of, uh, something like half the number of overtakes of last season. Um, so I think that in itself tells the story of, you know, the the, the problems F1 has at the moment. Um, so if I was if I was looking to change something or the one thing that I would change, it would be just to see a few different faces popping up at the top end of the uh, of the sheets or, and a little bit more on-track action. Uh, Scott, what what do you think was the uh, one thing that you would change uh, looking back on the season? One thing that I would have changed this year would have been to take the Nico Rosberg that finished the season and put him at the start. Where was he? In 2014, there was genuine competition between the two Mercedes drivers, but around the time of that clash between them in Belgium, Rosberg's head seemed to just go down for the rest of 2014 and it carried into this year, with him never feeling like any sort of challenge for Lewis. He seemed doomed for a Rubens Barrichello sort of role. But in the last three three races, there, there really seems to have been a switch. It's turned round, he's had more than the measure of Lewis. 
Whether it's as a result of something that Rosberg did, did himself, or something that's changed on the car, or maybe Lewis has dropped the ball following winning the championship and concentrating instead on his dope beats, we'll probably never know. But uh, fingers crossed this kind of form for Rosberg carries on into next year. Even if the other teams can't catch Mercedes, please at least let us have a battle between those two drivers again. So caps at the ready for 2016. Uh, and Paul, what would you change? <laughs> I like this question. What would I have changed in Formula 1 this season? Well, this is, uh, if I get to play God of Formula 1, if I get the keys to the Formula 1 um, operation, if I'm Bernie Eccleston, if I'm John Tott, then this, the Formula 1 would be very different. You know, so much I would change fundamentally. To, I think, you know, I, I don't know what how far-reaching this question goes because I would change a lot of things. And, I, you know, uh, do you want me to change something about this season? Or would I be telling them to ban topside aerodynamics and only get your aerodynamic grip from ground effects? You know, that's sort of something... I'll, that's a long-term change I want for Formula 1. Even if I was some sort of time traveller, if I could turn back time, I would. I would, uh, you know, whenever they banned ground effects in the late 80s or whatever it was, then uh, it would have been not banned and turbo engines would not have been banned and we'd still be running around with big fat tyres in the 90s and everything. So um, turbo engines, yeah, that's what I wanted. But no, from 2015 points of view, there was a lot that I could have changed. As I say, I was not a fan of the virtual safety car, um, but that's just my personal bugbear. And yeah, but what would I have changed in Formula One? The one thing, just one little thing. I mean, there's, there's so much, as I say, I mean, I would love to tell Pirelli what to do what they did in 2012 and the early part of 2013 before um, it went wrong for them or the teams ruined their publicity by swapping tyres and causing punctures and Pirelli had to take the hit. And then ever since then, they've been a bit more conservative. So tell Pirelli to be more exciting and, and daring with, with the tyres. Well, it looks like they're doing that next. They're going to try and do something for 2016 anyway. So not sure if I need to tell them really. And, and those sort of things I just have of changes I would enact. And finally, Jim, what would you change th from uh, what's happened this season? If I could change anything about the season just gone, it would probably be... I would have loved to have seen a lot more wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing, um, not just between Hamilton and Rosberg. We didn't see a lot of that. Uh, but all over, there was... I, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to tyre management, engine management, fuel saving, and, and everything else. But I would have loved to have seen just a bit more sort of white-knuckle uh, overtaking, wheel-to-wheel -wheel action, people really pushing it to the limit. Well, that takes us nicely to the end of the podcast. So thank you very much to our three guests for coming on and giving their thoughts on uh, F1 2015. Uh, Scott, thank you very much, and just uh, tell the folks about yourself. So thanks for having me on the show again, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to making more of a regular contribution next year. Like I said, although at times this year was a bit of a challenge for F1 fans, there's still no denying the, uh, the adrenaline rush of seeing the car sitting on the grid while the lights are going on. The, how did it do that? Feeling watching a car take a corner at seemingly impossible speeds and, and the holding of breath during some overtakes. The sport doesn't always do itself justice, but the underlying power of Formula 1 is always there. And no matter how much we might moan, let's face it, we'll all be in front of the telly for practice one in Australia. So see you there, and in the meantime, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, Paul, thank you very much. And again, uh, let the folks at home uh, know who you are and what you do. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this season review podcast on The Last Lap. I'm Paul Hadsley from the Formula Pubscast as part of Motorsport in Pubs. For those who don't know what that is, it's just a, a website, an organisation of... Uh, 
fans who gather in pubs to socialise when Formula One races are on. That's the Formula Podcast. You want to join us uh, at the venue. It's www.motorsportingpubs.co.uk and hopefully you can find a, a location close to you. Maybe we'll Skype you in if that's possible or just join in with our tweets and I'll read you out. Or if you want to come to Birmingham, it's the Apre Bar in Birmingham and the Formula Podcast, kindly hosted by Downforce Radio, is uh, downforce-radio.co.uk. Uh, just Google Downforce Radio and Google Formula Podcast, and you should find us. And we're on iTunes as well, so search iTunes. And last but not least, Jim, please uh, let the folks know about uh, you and the guys at uh, On The Limit. So that was my short take on the season. Big thanks again to the guys on the Last Lap podcast for inviting me to take part in the show. Uh, shameless plug coming up now. If you like Formula One podcasts and you've had your fill of the Last Lap but you want more... Uh, feel free to come check our show out it's www.onthelimitpodcast.com uh, the most irreverent and dangerous podcast for formula one on the internet it's a good laugh thank you very much and of course that leaves uh just me and sean heading into the uh winter break um we'll probably drop a podcast maybe here and there after the new year as uh, winter testing goes on and we get some idea of uh, what the cars are going to be behaving like in the next season um or if any particularly engrossing f1 news stories come up um but well on behalf of us both i'd like to thank everybody who's tuned in and listened to us this year um we're incredibly grateful for all the support that we receive um we'd like to give a big shout out to carly taylor who was going to be joining us um on this show but unfortunately well i say unfortunately that's a bit that's a bit rude um <laughs> she was proposed to and is now in new york so not really unfortunate for her at all. Unfortunate for the podcast for not to be able to have her on uh, and to give a view, um, quite probably giving us uh, a view from the uh, Lotus next-to-be-Renault team uh, that we probably didn't cover very well. Um, yeah, it, it's been an interesting season in a lot of ways. Um, one that I think is going to be far-reaching for Formula One. Um, I think you'd agree that with me, Sean, that Formula One can do better. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the sport does to change that. Um, any final words for the for the folks out there, Sean? Nah, just need to echo your sentiments. Of course, we uh, we totally appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, we do that so we have people uh, to provide the best show as possible for you guys at home. So thanks for that. Uh, just have a good winter, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully. Have a have a cracking 2016 season to look forward to. Love it, love it. <laughs> uh, so as always, we'll we'll end the show with just letting you know that you can uh, download the podcast and, and catch all our episodes from www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. You can find us and like our page on Facebook. We'd very much appreciate that. Just search for the Last Lap Podcast on Facebook. Um, we are on the Twitter uh, at Last Lap Podcast. Um, catch Sean at Firebolt Willow. Still, yes. Yep. Not changing it. <laughs> not changing it so far. Uh, yep. You can catch me at Man Called Megs, um, and obviously subscribe to us on iTunes or if you're on an Android device, uh, download the TuneIn app and uh, find our podcast on both of those things, and you can catch the latest episode as soon as it's released. So once again, thank you for your continued patronage from 2015, 2016. We'll continue to bring you hopefully uh, some more high energy, high fun podcasts. Uh, and yeah, have a great, uh, great Christmas and a great New Year. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Cheers.